I mean, how many more video games could there be? But they're making another one. Oh wait, I'm hearing it's more than one? Huh. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week we talk about the upcoming video game release schedule, and by schedule I mean our personal calendars. Princess Zelda, I can fit you in sometime this August. Wait, come back, I was kidding. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And hello. Hello, my hello. friends. How are you hello. guys? Hello. I'm doing well. I'm great. How are you both doing on this lovely week of March? Wonderful. It's pretty lovely, actually. It's kind of lovely. <laughs> well, it's raining, but sunny here in Portland. And I'm doing quite well. I'm having a lovely week. So do you two remember last week on the show, I said that I wrote spring on my calendar? Yes. Mm-hmm. For March 20th. Do you, do you mm-hmm. know what else is happening on March 20th, just purely by coincidence? It actually is a coincidence, as far what, as I know. What, Maddie? Why don't, you, why don't you tell us? <laughs> Max Fun Drive is happening. Oh, Isn't that cool? God, that is exciting. I think it's exciting. And Can you explain what Max Fun yeah, Drive is? Yeah, I will. So... Know? So if you're a listener to the show, or if this is your first ever episode, you don't maybe know, but if you're a listener, you know, every, every single week, we're like, hey, you could, you could become a supporter of Maximum Fun, the podcast network we're on, and you can get bonus episodes, monthly bonus episodes from us, and also bonus episodes from all the other podcasts on Max Fun. But once a year, we do something called Max Fun Drive, which is a pledge drive, where we really try to entice people who might be a little on the fence or maybe they've been putting it off or they just haven't been getting around to plopping the old credit card down. And those folks are going to be enticed. They're going to (laughs) be enticed (laughs) AF. Yes, a lot of enticements (laughs) Um, coming. And if you are somebody who would like to say that you support the show, support our show or support Max Fun, and you want to tell people how much you like that. We're doing member stories this year, uh, which some other shows have done. I, we've never done it, though. So you, no, sh- you can send first, in a little message, a little anecdote about why you're a Max Fun supporter. It could be about specifically why you support Triple Click. Could be about the network. Could be about, I don't know, your feelings. Just <laughs> all your, just all your podcasts feelings and how, how much you support them. Or how uh, much so you like pins and cool stuff. And yeah. I mean, you. maybe you're really just in it for the merch. And uh-huh. you're maybe just not even listening to me talk right now. You're just in it for the merch. Uh, bless you as well, I guess. Uh, Still making and- the show happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, we appreciate you, we'll take even it. if you aren't listening. Uh, and, you know, I'm not done talking. I have so much more to say. I'm so, I, I first of all, I was going to start out by saying I'm excited to talk about Perfect Dark next week because that is the video game that I've forced you yes. both to play according to the terms of a very elaborate annual bet that we engage in. Indeed. And so anybody who wants to play along with us, regardless as to whether you know about the bet or not, doesn't matter. You can play Perfect Dark. It's on Xbox Game Pass. And you can also just buy it for $7 on Xbox if you want to. That's what Kirk did because he doesn't have Game Pass for some reason. I bought all of Rare Replay for $7. So I got so many games for $7. Wow. Okay. There you go. So next week, we're going to talk about Perfect Dark. And we are going to spoil it. So, yeah. I, I mean, it does have a story. So there's that. Yeah. Third but not least, you know, while you got your calendar open, just circle May 18th because that's the Triple Click Live show. Did I do it? 
Did I get you all did the it. things? You covered all the things. We have a lot going on. Jason's looking at me very intently. Jason. There's a lot of business. No, it's, it's great. All the throat clearing. <laughs> Jason, how did you I took do? took care of it. All the preemptive <laughs> throat clearing. All right. Should we get on with the show then? Let's we got, please. We got all that out of the way. Um, on with the show. So this this week, we decided we're going to do something interesting. So we are about, about 25% of the way into 2023, which makes a good, a good time to kind of um, check out the landscape, to see what's going on, what's been happening in the world of video games, what's still to come in the world of video games for this year. And we're also in kind of like a really weird, interesting spot in the new game console cycle or the new i mean this generation of consoles and and games and next gen or whatever you want to call it so we're going to talk about a few things today we're going to talk about some of the games that are coming down the road some of the big games we are interested in and are excited about and then we're going to talk about some of the stuff that has happened this year some of the news that we found interesting some of the kind of um incidents that reflect the shape of the video game industry in 2023 we will not be talking about NFTs today. No. We will be talking about cool video games. So, guys, the next couple of months are, like, totally loaded to the point yeah. where I'm actually a little afraid about the amount that we're all going to want to slash have to play and the time that it's going to take to do it. Um, I just want to read a, a quick list of some of the games, and then we can kind of talk about each of them or whichever ones we see fit that are just mm -hmm. coming. And this is just, like, that we know of, and this is just some of the big ones, and this is just, like, in the next three or four months. Mm -hmm. Star Wars Jedi Survivor, April 28th. That's a sequel to um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Redfall, May 2nd. That's a new game from Arcane, the makers of Prey. Uh, Arcane Austin, specifically, makers of Prey. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. That's the mm -hmm. new game from uh, a little company called Nintendo. <laughs> you may have heard of them. Little playing mm -hmm. card from, company. From the Hanafuda cards? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Diablo 4, the fourth devil. Uh, <laughs> June Finally, 6th. they're making a fourth devil. Three weren't Maybe enough. Another one. Three were <laughs> definitely not sufficient. <laughs> this is in uh, part four of the Bible, includes the fourth <laughs> devil. Um, June 6th is Diablo 4. Final Fantasy 16, June 22nd. Baldur's Gate 3. August 31st, 20, 20 something years in the making that one. And of course, Starfield, which is TBD, but Microsoft and Bethesda have said are coming in the first half of this year. Um, as far as I know, by the way, last I checked with people who are working on that game, they still don't, still don't have a release date yet either. So it might not be totally finalized, but still could arrive in the first half of this year. So we don't know about that one yet. Bing! Kirk from the future here editing the episode, and in the time since we recorded this, Bethesda has announced a new release date for Starfield, and that release date is September 6th, so that's when that game is coming out, allegedly. I'll believe it when I see it. Okay, back to the show. Bing! Man, that's a lot of big games. It's a lot of video games. Gonna be good. Gonna be some good ones. I think all of which I want to play. Yeah, I'll play all of these. Mm -hmm. Me it's too. It's a lot of video games. It's a lot of potential bangers. Yeah, I don't know. Are you guys, do you guys have like strong thoughts on any of these games? Is there anything on this list that you're like particularly um, excited about or interested in talking about? Man, I've already <laughs> been feeling that that I'm playing too many games just 
from the beginning of this year. We're not even mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. thick of it, but it just had this sense of there are so many different games I want to play. I've been playing more Octopath Traveler too because that game's really good, as we talked about last week. But like, sure I'm is. playing it, and I'm aware that it's very, very long. And there are so many other things that I want to be playing in addition to Perfect Dark, which we're playing for next week. So I already kind of have that feeling of spinning plates that I mm-hmm. don't generally like. Like I do prefer it when I'm able to be in the mode of the person who plays one game to completion. So I guess when I look at this list of games, the ones I'm most excited about are the ones that I'm pretty confident that I will play from beginning to end. And that we didn't list it, but it's coming a little sooner is the Resident Evil 4 remake. I'm very excited about. That's a pretty long game, but I think that I'll play it all the way through. And yeah, Jedi I didn't Survivor. Yeah, a couple of remakes on here for what it's worth. There's right. also mm-hmm. a System Shock remake that I didn't I mean, and that else. might be great. That yeah, that seems really cool, promising. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Jedi Survivor is the one on this list that, for whatever reason, I think I look at it and I can get my head around it. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. going to be a Metroid-inspired, kind of Souls-y. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like the first one. It'll probably have a cool story. I'm going to get to use lots of different kinds of lightsabers. Cool. Like, I can get my head around it. Where when I look at Diablo <laughs> lots 4... Lots of different kinds of lightsabers. Not necessarily what the I thought trailers, you were right? say, no, but... He's like, got yeah, all no, these different right. lightsabers. You're right. Um, there's stances and there's a lot of lightsabers. Um, so anyways, I look at that and I kind of know what it's going to be where Diablo 4, I'm like, man, that game's going to go on forever. I want to play it. Baldur's Gate 3, that's going to be so long and so involved. And then also they'll release a definitive edition in a year that won't work with my save. Starfield, <laughs> who knows, right? So Jedi Survivor is the one where I'm just like, I know what that's going to be. I'm excited to play it. So that's my thought. I agree. I felt similarly about the list. Zelda is so big that it's hard for me to even express my excitement and also fathom its importance. I am thinking about it in the back of my head at all times. Zelda. It's it's hard to get my head around that one. It's too much. It's too big. And so it's easier for me to be like, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, that's probably going to be a, f- a really fun fun time. I'm going mm-hmm. to learn a little bit more about that specific microcosm of the Star Wars world, liked Fallen Order. I think we even did a Beans cast, although we maybe did. it was prior to the era that we called yeah, them Beans cast. Yeah, it was split screen. We talked it. We did a spoiler cast. Yeah, I oh, believe. wow. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so we did, a, we did a spoiler cast, which mm-hmm. is a phrase that makes no sense. And no, I'm, so I'm totally glad we Totally different changed genre that. of podcast. <laughs> yeah, very yeah, weird. Yeah, that was a really uh, good game. Those folks yeah. at Respawn, they know how to make games. And I gotta write a say cool that, story. Like, you guys, I think you guys are, are spot on. And I think something about... Um, Jedi Survivor feeling like it could be a game that you can finish in 20 hours, hopefully yep. 15 to 20 hours. Mm-hmm. That is really appealing among all these massive games because I think mm-hmm. normal people, I mean, so Maddie, me and you and Kirk to a lesser extent, you like the three of us can get a, have a little bit of leeway when it comes to playing games during the workday. Um, but your average, like normal people, most of the people listening to the show are going to have to make like a lot of big decisions in terms of where to spend their time. Time with mm-hmm. all of these games because like you said Kirk I mean Diablo 4 is going to take 400 hours Zelda is going to be a bazillion hours long um, Final Fantasy Baldur's yeah. Gate actually, Final, Final Fantasy might actually be a little bit more manageable because I don't think that's an open world game there was actually I don't know if you guys follow there's a big string of previews um, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago I saw them I didn't week. read closely but I saw yeah them. I haven't looked at them too closely either because I want to kind of play it for myself and not really know 
anything about it to the best of my ability. But um, I did see a story about how it's deliberately not an open world game. And so they're going for a more linear experience, That's which just yes, fine with yeah, me. Absolutely it's, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Again, yeah, it's it's this interesting. We're at this interesting place. So okay, so my my theory, and I think it explains a lot, is that video games take too long to make. And I think that fundamental problem has caused a lot of kind of ripple effects throughout the industry, throughout what people are playing, throughout what people are interested in. And I think if you look at all these games, um, other than Star Wars, the bulk of these games that I just mentioned have taken at least five, six, seven years to develop. And that means that they've cost many, many tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to develop. And that means that when they come out, they need to be humongous hits. And that means they need to be as appealing as possible to as many people as possible. They need to, they need to sell 10 million copies plus to recoup that investment, to recoup that investment. So um, you're looking at all these games and they kind of feel like they have to be a million hours long because that's what people seem to be playing and buying is games that are a million hours long. And they feel like they have to like follow all these other kinds of checklists. Um, And we'll talk about Suicide Squad, which is another game I haven't even mentioned here in a little bit. Um, But that is a game that really feels like it's just like a smack in the middle of that problem space where it's like, man, this game, costs us a lot to make we have to put everything possible in it that will get get our money back out of this thing why don't mm-hmm. we just talk about suicide squad i mean we might as well yeah right? we just, can. it's, a, it's well. an interesting thesis and i do think that game fits interestingly into it yeah it well so that game you look at the history of rocksteady the developer in uh the uk that uh, is making suicide squad previously of course known for the arkham series that kind of revolutionized superhero games back in the mid 2000s um, so Rocksteady, late 2000s, but late yeah. 2000s. Yeah. Rocksteady has been working on this game for a long time. Um, their last game, Arkham Knight was 2015 and then they did a VR Arkham in 2016. And then they were working on this game that they eventually canceled. I believe it was some sort of new, new thing. Um, and then they started working on this, uh, let's call it 2017 or so. Um, and I don't know when, how much of their time in development was like pre-production versus like actually like heads down working on the game. But still, that's six years ago. Um, and 2017, as you guys will remember, was the year Destiny 2 came out. It was the year that uh, games as a service were taking over the world. PUBG had just come out. Fortnite was about to turn into a battle royale. So mm-hmm. like the decision was made at that point, hey, let's make this a service game. And then along the way, it uh, it became this thing that we saw um, a couple of weeks ago and got a lot of negative backlash, a lot of negative reactions because it looks like kind of a service game. And I think one of the big problems there is that like, because it took so long to make, I mean, in addition to what I was talking about before, where you have to be kind of conservative as a game publisher to try to recoup your investment. You also have the problem of like the decisions, the creative decisions and management and business decisions that were made six years ago might suddenly seem a lot less appealing, a lot less interesting today Mm -hmm. and also everybody instantly including me compared it to marvel's avengers which we talked about a lot on this show as the obvious comparison where it is a similar game as a service also based on a massively popular superhero franchise but feels a little different than the movies everybody's familiar with so there's that uncanny jarring aspect to it but then also 
just the experience that we even had when the three of us tried to play it on our Twitch stream of getting everybody as individual superheroes <laughs> and working together in a mission. I mean, even leaving aside the, the technical issues that we experienced in trying to play it, it's also not that fun because it just feels like a very disjointed experience where some superheroes were more fun than others. Some felt like they had been developed more carefully than others, probably just due to the time management issues that would come up if you're trying to develop multiple very different feeling superpowers in a game. And watching that Suicide Squad trailer really took me back to Marvel's Avengers. And also I'll give a little bonus shout out to Gotham Knights, which is not quite the same thing. It's not a co-op multiplayer experience, but also had those huge menus full of upgradable loot. And it just also felt like a real slog to play. Also, two game developers, just like Rocksteady, that were were entirely single player and then turned into making, pivoted to making a multiplayer game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that Suicide Squad trailer bummed me out as well. I suppose it wasn't a trailer, like a gameplay demo. There was a kind of flattening that seemed to have happened where everybody was just using a gun, which struck me anyways watching it. Like, I'm not super familiar with each of those characters. I really liked the Suicide Squad movie, but I Mm -hmm. don't really remember King Shark, like, using a machine gun. And he's kind (laughs) of running around with a gun. So then it really made everyone seem the same. And it kind of just looked like I was watching Fortnite skins of lesser known DC characters. And that was notable given that the Avengers game at least tried to have, you know, the each different hero weapons. was different yeah. or they fought differently and kind of in the way that they do in the comics. So that was just another thing that made it feel like, oh, okay, so this is just a service co-op shooter. And let me say, we joked about this last week, but I played a little bit of Destiny 2 Lightfall of the new expansion, oh, wow. just the opening mission. I loaded it up to play it, and Jason's shaking his head. I know. He's we so were, concerned. Kirk and I were texting. Kirk, are you okay? I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yes, Kirk. Do you need yes, an I'm okay. I just tried a little bit, and it's fine. I can quit anytime I want. Okay. No, okay. I, I really did. Um, I was almost physically repelled by the game <laughs> while playing it because I started out and I was like, oh yeah, Destiny's pretty fun, um, and it looks sick, you know, on my ultra widescreen sure. monitor. I'm like, yeah, it looks really cool. Like, yeah, HDR is on. This is great. I'm shooting people. And then I, I start, first it dawns on me that I'm shooting people with Ace of Spades and like, I don't remember, the same heavy gun that I've been using for like four years or something in Destiny 2. So, and it's the same enemies I'm shooting Cabal. So it's yeah, the exact same experience. That to me is, that's the Yeah, most, I know like, that's, that's yeah. your... War never changes, etc. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that feeling of, okay, this is the thing I've done a million times. But then... I start picking up armor, and this happens pretty quickly. And in the new expansion in that game, they reset your level, so the blue crappy armor you're getting is going to raise your level, and you go through this initial period where you just get whatever armor, then you get your level up, and then you get high enough to do the thing. Everyone knows how this works. Everyone's played this game. And I just, the first blue helmet I picked up that was a higher light level than all my other stuff, I was like... I want to stop playing this game and never play it again. Like it was mm-hmm. this really visceral feeling because I've been through that process and dedicated so much time in the past to that grind. Watching Suicide Squad, it's the same feeling. I can see all that stuff in the game, even if you can't see it. You know, it's like no, you, know, you can't see it. They showed up your yeah. levels. They the showed loot. up your levels. So much loot, you guys. Right, I mean, like, whatever particulars you can't see, you know it's kind of simmering under the surface. There's all this stuff that's designed to hook you in and keep you playing. And I just recoil at that stuff at this point. And I I can't be alone. So there's, on top of everything (laughs) else, the time commitment issue that you outlined, which I think is super true for people more than ever, just the financial commitment, do I really want to buy this game? On top of all of that stuff, there's just this 
visceral almost oh, sorry jason there's this uh, <laughs> deep and um <laughs> no that's that's good, using the word you correctly know, i actually right. feel like it was a bombastic presentation it was wow. <laughs> no um so there is a, a visceral feeling of just no i can't do that anymore among i think a lot of people who have who dedicated a lot of time to those kinds of games throughout the 2010s and now are really pushed away by them. So I think that mm-hmm. all kind of feeds into a perfect storm of dislike for that game. Interesting. Yeah. Although there are still still plenty of people out there who are still running on that treadmill. Um, Kirk, to your point sure. earlier about the guns, a cynic might say that they all use guns because it's easy to put skins on guns so that you can then sell as part mm-hmm. of a battle pass or uh, like a microtransaction store. Right, and even less cynically, it's just easier probably to design for a game where everyone has some form of projectile weapon instead of like Hulk and Iron Man and you know yeah. whoever else. Yeah, that's also part of it. Although, yeah, Avengers felt more like a brawler as a result of that as opposed to a shooter but yeah Mm. um yeah and it's a shame uh well i don't know i mean we shouldn't judge this game too much until that actually comes out and we can actually play it but i mean it's a shame right i'll definitely never discount rocksteady that they have made amazing games like i really have really liked all of their games which you could also say that about crystal dynamics so it is it's an interesting or bioware with anthem like a lot of these companies have followed the same route and it's not just a publisher decision sometimes it's a developer decision as well as it was with Bioware, but like they're just following the, just chasing that that idea yeah. of just like the fantasy of everybody playing together. Yeah, um, Crystal Dynamics feels like a particularly good comparison. Yeah, it it's it's very very similar kind of stories. Yeah, and it shows how hard it is to make a game like that succeed, like a multiplayer co op competitive shooter that actually mm-hmm. feels good for every character type. I mean, it makes me realize how good something like Apex Legends is, where it was like just shadow dropped and it's still a hit today and people love it and the characters feel different i mean it's a lot Fortnite, lower impact and it's free of course but i just mean it's it's interesting to see the games that have succeeded in this arena mm-hmm. compared to the ones that have not and you're right maybe the free part is a, a more it's key aspect can't be discounted at least yeah. yeah free is important but i also think with apex i mean you could spend 20 minutes a day playing apex and have a sure. great time you can't spend 20 minutes a day playing destiny like you need it's a way bigger time sink than that that's I mean, true I, mm-hmm. I guess you could but you would suck at it um <laughs> i think i was thinking about diablo 4 which i actually am pretty excited about um i'm i'm i just think it looks cool same and, i i do want to play some diablo yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we'll we'll play together pretty low impact probably in mm-hmm. terms of just how it feels to play diablo enjoyably well low yeah impact, i mean I just the, the the feeling of it is good well so i was thinking about diablo in comparison to suicide squad and other games as a service and i think what's interesting about diablo and i don't know what four will be like um i'm actually going to check out the beta next week so i'll be able to talk a little bit more about that on the show at some point but um but i i with diablo traditionally there's no like real gear score the gear that you're constantly chasing affects you in other ways in very specific ways like you might get a plus five percent to fire resistance or whatever and a lot of it doesn't really feel um special standalone until it's an aggregate or until you're in the later game where you're getting more interesting unique pieces of gear um and instead, you're kind of chasing, I mean, first of all, you have an ex- a regular experience level, like your character just gains levels over time. But really, what you're focusing on a little bit more is kind of the skill tree and where you're going to customize your character. Diablo 4 seems to do that in a really cool way. They have a huge skill tree that's kind of like Path of Exile style. Um, and I think that'll be really interesting to play around with. And so... 
when I think about, okay, is there an online game that I might want to spend a couple hours a day or an hour a day or whatever, a few hours on the weekend, actually sinking into, I could see myself doing that with Diablo 4 a lot more just because I find that the decisions uh, might be a lot more interesting if you're making, if you're choosing how to build a character and, and kind of what kind of gear to use as opposed to just watching a number go up on top of your uh, on top of your inventory screen. Like I can't ever imagine doing that grind again. <laughs> for the foreseeable future. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm excited for the social aspect. Like, we'll play together. I've got other mm-hmm. friends who want to play. Mm-hmm. I, I think that part has always been the draw for me for that. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, Zelda is, like, that's the big uh, elephant in the room for everybody. Baldur's Gate 3, I'm actually particularly excited for. I think maybe most excited for out of anything here. Um, just because uh, Larian Studios, the company behind it, so knocked it out of the park with Divinity Original Sin 2 to the point where I was saying a few years ago when I played that, that like, hey, this is Baldur's Gate. This is like a spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate 2. This feels like the next great computer RPG after Baldur's Gate 2. And the idea of them doing an actual Baldur's Gate 3 is pretty cool. Um, From what I played, I actually played the early access version for a little bit when it came out in 2020. It was pretty cool. It seemed pretty deep and interesting and like um one of the cool things about the way larian makes games is the way they give you all these tools and let you play with systems sort of like zelda um or any other sort of like immersive sim or systemic game but it's also got that kind of like humongous overwhelming um kind of rich complicated systems full of stats and gear and just role playing to sink into so i'm pretty damn excited for that one i've got to say kirk i know you are too although you're you've been burned by by the whole special edition before complete edition. Yeah, but I mean, look at me. I I play the games anyways because they're so good. So yeah, I'm extremely excited for that game. Um, okay, cool. Why don't we talk a little bit about some of the stuff that has happened this year so yeah, far? News. Um, talk a little bit about the news. I think it's worth noting a couple of things. I mean, first of all, if 2022 was like a boom year, at least at the beginning, in terms of like acquisitions and stocks and everybody riding high, I think towards mm-hmm. the end of last year and then now at the beginning of this year, we've seen kind of the the uh, on the the chart from like fuck around to find out we're in the find out <laughs> portion things like, on a downswing and that's been true of a lot of tech stocks it's been true of the markets broadly um and it is true of video game companies which were really booming for a while but had a pretty bad last year for a number of reasons post-pandemic woes and game delays and all sorts of stuff so this year there have been some layoffs microsoft take two ea um we saw 343, the makers of Halo, get a total overhaul and, and get a, a bunch of their people got laid off, at least 100 or so. Um, mm-hmm. We saw EA cancel an Apex Legends mobile game um, and also this kind of Titanfall um, R&D project that they were working on. So we've seen a lot of a lot of rough stuff uh, in the games industry this year so far, and um, it's not the end of it. As we're recording, uh, this Take-Two has, has just laid off some people as well so yeah it's been it's been a tough one um has anything stood out for you two uh as we're as we're uh almost 25 percent of the way into the year yeah i mean just speaking of games as a service it feels like the halo infinite gamble just didn't pay off and to the people who enjoyed it i know they're a relative minority but there's dozens (laughs) of us 
There are dozens of them. And I know that it's disappointing for them to see uh, three, four, three people getting laid off and that game just getting hard pivoted <laughs> into the background, essentially, yeah. and not being what it was promised. I mean, they delayed the co-op announcement and now it's like, just don't even think about Halo Infinite anymore. Just just forget it ever happened. Yeah, well, so it is still getting multiplayer content. It's worth noting. They just launched it season is. three of the game, I believe. It's just that the idea that most people had in their heads that there was going to be this like trickle of new campaign stuff and single player. That it would be stuff, infinite, campaign, for uh, example. DLC. Yeah, I mean, none of that has come to fruition. And as... As Bloomberg reported earlier this year, there was no campaign DLC in the works. Like even last year, like there that just wasn't wasn't happening in the first place. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's been a lot of talk that we don't need to go super in depth on um, about three four three and its kind of treatment of the Halo series over yeah. the years. This feels like kind of it's it's so sad because uh, when the game came out, it was reviewed pretty well. Like people were into it. It's just like the post launch support was pretty rocky and people seem to kind of like just i don't know become more detached from it over time maddie did you notice like uh, have you been paying close tabs on the the halo community yeah just a little bit i wouldn't say it's close tabs but just speaking of my coworkers and pals like yeah there was definitely a lot of excitement about the grappling hook everybody i knew installed halo for those first two weeks as the multi was free and everybody played it and then i think it was either lack of content that interested people or just the magic was gone i i, I don't know there was just something about it that didn't quite land and the campaign had fun moments but just didn't really it, it certainly wasn't one of my favorites of that year, but yeah, looking back on it now, I'm just like RAP to a great grappling hook. Felt really good. <laughs> it does feel a little bit like ah, we're in a we're in a phase, maybe a transitional phase. There's all this stuff that's about to come out, things that have been teased or talked about or hyped up for a very long time, mm-hmm. and after that, it's not totally clear what things look like. Do you get the sense that this is sort of Uh, like a deep breath or a belt tightening or sort of a reset of like, okay, now we're going to have to figure out what comes next, you know, for our studio or for our publisher after this. Since I just, it Mm kind of feels like Sony doesn't have a lot to talk about past, you know, Spider-Man 2. You know, Microsoft is kind of, they have a ton of studios, but it's not totally clear, like, what's actually coming, like what the, what to be excited about. Even Nintendo, it's like, do they have a new Switch coming out? I don't know. There's this Zelda game. Like, just talk <laughs> well, about the Zelda game. replay Metroid Prime. That, yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. is, is Metroid Prime 4 ever coming out? Who knows? Shh, don't worry about it. So I guess it's like the, as stacked as this year feels, as the next few months feel, it feels a little like the area past this very exciting neon wall right in front of us is kind of like foggy darkness and it's we're not really sure what there is yeah it's interesting i feel like kirk to your point i feel like sony and microsoft are in the polar opposite positions because microsoft has like a dozen different big games they've announced but they announced those like three years ago and they just have have totally disappeared from like sure. like fable to Everwild, right to perfect dark speaking of perfect dark yeah like, perfect all dark. these games i could go on and on with all these names of games that have been announced and just never 
before it came out and and who knows how many of them are still coming what they look like what kind of shape they're in whereas sony announced a bunch of games and has released them all and now we don't know what's on the horizon for them other than spider-man 2 um we know that they have like a bunch of different studios all working on whatever stuff and at some point they're going to have to come out and be like hey here's what our roadmap for the next couple of years looks like um but yeah and and both companies i think have kind of suffered from a lack of big budget third party blockbuster quote-unquote next gen games and also to your point i feel like we're in that weird kind of transition mode this is definitely the like the longest it's taken a console generation that I can remember to really like go enter full steam into like the big right, games which that feel like launching during a pandemic, right? Sure, yeah, launching a during a pandemic yeah. hurt. I think, I think another part of it is just that like there's only so much you can really do from here if you compare some of the games that we're playing now to some of the games that were out five or six years ago. I mean, the graphical fidelity hasn't really gotten that much better um red dead redemption 2 is still probably the best looking game that i've played like and Mm. that came out in 2018 so i i don't know that like um there really needs to feel like quote-unquote next-gen games or what that would even look like i mean the one thing that really has felt next-gen and this was kind of the promise of next-gen is the lack of loading times on console um and i'm still blown away when i like um pick up my xbox and it boots up in two seconds or like jump into a playstation game and like the load like like the loading screens for whatever are just non-existent. So that I think is pretty cool. But yeah, it is a weird time for the video game industry. Maddie, what's your take? Oh, I just, I'm in, I completely agree. And I also feel like the hardware shortages have really affected things. Like it's weird to still have Switch 2 rumors be trending every other day. And yet there's no announcement. It's like people just have some anxiety. So they're Googling it every morning just to see <laughs> if Nintendo is going to give them a Switch 2. And that combined with Tears of the Kingdom and the fact that Metroid Prime 4 has been MIA forever and we don't have anything else to point to feels very weird. Also, just as sort of a Sony fan, Jason, do you, not a Sony fan, you're such a Sony fanboy. As a Final <laughs> Fantasy fan, do you feel like Final Fantasy 16 is like a big mid-console tentpole? Because I don't feel like that's the narrative around that game for whatever reason. But I'm a little outside of that fandom. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, the game looks cool. Um, It looks very different from previous Final Fantasy games, which I think is a good thing. Like, this is a series that has always reinvented itself. Um, It's hard to know until I pick it up and play it and and get a feel for it, really. But shouldn't that be the one that we would look to and be like, well, that's the mid-console generation, big, exciting example of something that everyone... Well, okay, I guess it depends what you're using as, like, a baseline for that. Like, are you talking graphically? Are you talking, like, innovations in how a game is played or how it feels to play or, like, the the capability of these open worlds? I I feel like one of the problems and one of the reasons there's been a little bit of malaise, um, at least until we get into this, like, intense period of 2023, is is that, like, there aren't really boundaries being pushed anymore. Like, we're not seeing some big open world that blows our minds because we've already seen a bazillion different open worlds. Like it's not really exciting to imagine a game where you can explore every inch of the horizon because we've had a million of those. So I don't know, maybe there just hasn't been enough innovation. Kirk, what, what's your, what's your thought? Yeah. The horizon that I sense will be pushed 
or that could be pushed just based on things that have been happening over the last few months is the horizon of artificial intelligence. And that's right. a much bigger topic that I think we'll probably get into in depth at some point because it's yes. pretty complicated and pretty interesting. But it does seem as though one can imagine that being something that actually feels groundbreaking and different. Because like you said, there, Jason, there's diminishing returns with visuals. Like rate tracing has really kind of turned out to be this major letdown in PC gaming, I'd say. It's a thing that you still just don't turn on 90% of the time because it ruins performance. And there's all this talk about how it's going to be so realistic looking. But honestly, like even in Cyberpunk, I play that game with everything turned on now. Yeah, it looks nice, but it looks great without that stuff turned on. Like it, it doesn't really, that wasn't a mind blowing thing because the visuals are just incredible no matter what. But when I imagine a game like, um, I've actually been replaying some Red Dead 2. And the thing that strikes me about that game is it's so high touch, like it's so high effort. Everything about that game, that's it's so impressive and also kind of leads me to conflicted feelings. I talked about this in my review of that game five years ago. But it, if you imagine a version of that game that is like being written in real time by an artificial intelligence and performed in real time by an artificial intelligence actor, those things are not out of the realm of possibility at all. And suddenly you're thinking about something that just your your imagination starts to run wild and I don't know what's possible and what's not. But the minute you're there, it's like, oh, we're talking about a totally different kind of video game that could be something genuinely groundbreaking and wild and exciting and, you know, just crazy. That's the sort of thing that feels like it's missing when it's even looking at this list of games. Like, okay, it'll have an even better looking open world, but we, we basically know what it'll be. You know, oh, it'll have uh-huh. a slightly tweaked combat system but we basically know how it's going to play like they all feel like it, it there is kind of a malaise there maybe when you yeah. think about everything like we, we basically know what we're getting with all of these games. it's it. not always bad but we know yeah so um yeah i mean that's why i'm i get so excited about stuff like uh case of the golden idol all of us do well, I yeah. think, because it just feels so Something new like anything we yeah. played before um yeah kirk to your point i think that like uh what ai might bring to the table and yes we'll definitely talk about this more down the road because it's like one of the hottest topics in anything anywhere right now. and like a genuinely interesting topic too i would say yeah and it's fascinating yeah i'm like it's funny last year was the year of like crypto and nfts and shit and it was hard to even muster any interest but ai is super fascinating for like lots of reasons and you ask someone like what why do nfts matter and they're like they just do trust me yeah or with ai it's just like do, yeah. just use chat gpt for five yeah. minutes and you're like holy shit like this is crazy it's self-evident by the way i don't know if you guys saw uh there's like so pretty much everybody uh as we've discussed pretty much every gaming company has been like uh screw this we're out of nfts like clearly nobody wants these <laughs> things to care about them but uh dr disrespect the internet personality oh yeah he started mm-hmm, a game mm-hmm. studio and he's out here still in 2023 in march of 2023 he's out there defending putting nfts in his game which is hilarious to see all right anyway um, it's actually retro now to do that so what i think is what i think ai will be able to do is allow the player to kind of like have an improv improvising like an improv session with the game to the point where like the player whether it's in a conversation or whether it's even like creating things i mean i think that's the stuff that'll be really interesting it'll be interesting for a lot of reasons one is Mm -hmm. like if a if a game is started suddenly taking from like the the internet's collective like art and and ideas and writing and storytelling then like does that cause all sorts of legal and ethical issues but also just like it's fascinating to imagine a game that like uses ai to generate stuff in a way that we've never seen before so yeah that's a super interesting topic that i think we should discuss down the road um 
yeah, just a couple more news items real quick. Um, Nintendo Direct, there was a big Nintendo Direct that we haven't really dug super deep into. Obviously, we talked about the Metroid Prime remake. Um, I was extremely excited that they announced a new Professor Layton game because I thought that series was dead. I think we're all excited about Ghost Trick coming to Switch and modern consoles. I'm Mm. very excited about Fantasy Life 2 because the first game I really enjoyed, which, again, something we can talk about closer to that game's release. Um, and also, Maddie, I know you're excited about this one. Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games have come to the Switch. We can now all play Minish Cap, Zelda Minish Cap, and That's Metroid true. Fusion. The original Link's Awakening as well, along yes. with the remake. And Metroid yes. Fusion is coming, will be out by the time this episode is out, but it's not yet out as we record this. But Metroid 2, the Game Boy game that became Samus Returns, uh, is available now if people are familiar with the Mercury Steam version, Samus Returns, which is a great game. That's the one that I'm still waiting on, where I'm like, okay, That'd be pretty cool. cool. Put Metroid yeah, put 2 from the Switch. Game Boy on the Switch. That's great. People can play that. But get Samus Returns on there. I just need to collect them all. I need uh-huh. Nintendo to just put all <laughs> the Metroid games on one console, and then I can just die happy i guess i'll I'll have there's really no worlds left to conquer for me at that point i will have (laughs) achieved everything by the way uh russ freshdick was telling me the other we rush russ freshdick and i were talking the other day about uh, the next switch and what that might look like or nintendo's next console and my prediction i'm gonna zag where everyone else is zigging on this one (laughs) my prediction is that nintendo's next console will not be backwards compatible maybe that'll be an official 2024 prediction just because like everybody wants it it makes perfect sense and nintendo has never in their entire (laughs) history done something that everybody wants and makes perfect it's not a bad basis for a prediction i mean yeah uh, it's just gonna be something totally unexpected this, this might actually be, if there's no new console announced this year, this might actually be my prediction for next year. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the, the, you said that you saying that reminded me of this just because the idea we're all thinking like, oh, this great collection of Game Boy games will carry on to the next console. But right. guys, remember the virtual console? <laughs> like, that would make no sense at all. None like they've of, beefed none of, up uh, Nintendo online. They've made it so awesome and like so appealing as a purchase point and they're like yeah we're just gonna make that not matter at all i mean and that's exactly what they did with virtual again. console they did that exact same thing. um one more piece of news real quick we should dive into before we take a break which is that elden ring dlc oh was <sighs> announced so we all knew this was coming <laughs> um but still it was cool to see uh, from software just put up this image called mm. Elden Ring Shadow of the Erd Tree. And they said it was in development. And then I watched a 20 minute lore video about that image. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> that's that's so who funny. I am. <laughs> it's it's clearly was it Vadi Vadi Vidya? We got a link. That yeah, it was Vadi Vidya. We can link it. Um, it's of an course. image of Mikuela from Elden Ring Mikala. on Mikala. Mikala, sorry, Mikala from Elden Ring on Torrent, the horse, and the Erd tree is there. And Kirk, what did you learn from that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, from can that you just quickly video? summarize 20 minutes of Boy, lore? Boy, <laughs> well, I learned for starters that Vati Vidya has a lengthy Mikala, Mikala lore video that I haven't watched that I now really want to watch because Mikala is mm-hmm. a very interesting and mysterious character. And I learned the theory of who first 
owned torrent, which I believe now Vati Vidya thinks may be Mikola. And yeah. it's not clear if that is the Erd tree or an Erd tree with another dark Erd tree wrapped around uh, it. There's a yeah. lot in that image. Interesting. Uh, there's a lot in that image. There is. Okay. There is. I've seen some tree analysis, some people mm-hmm. drawing little lines around yes. the different branches and roots of the tree and analyzing mm-hmm. which aspects of it could be an Erd tree and might be some dark root. For mm-hmm. example, yes. uh, capital D. Yeah, I'm so pumped for this. If if we want to talk about the future games and what still makes us excited, <laughs> it's really just Elden Ring. Just they can just keep Ring. making those. You <laughs> well, know, is I, it just the same old thing? Yes, but it, it's still freaking great. So maybe they just make that forever. I don't know. Don't forget. <laughs> don't forget the first time you played Breath of the Wild. That some no, that I think right. conjured some of the same sensations. So it oh, would be yes, shocking absolutely. If, if Tears of the Wild did the same thing or Tears, Tears of the, of the Wild. <laughs> Breath of the Kingdom. That'd be a good name. <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom did the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, of course, Manny. I mean, Elden Ring DLC. The one thing that actually was comforting for me was the fact that they're just kind of teasing it and not even like showing it with one image and not even showing a trailer or anything. Yeah. Makes you think it's actually kind of far away, which I welcome because of all the yeah. bazillion hour games. Do not <laughs> need yeah. Elden Ring DLC time, in the middle you know? of yeah, May or totally something. Totally fine <laughs> with that coming like, yeah, this fall or even like early next sure. year. Totally Whenever. 100% fine. And by the way, if you're listening to this team, Cherry, feel free to just punt Silk Song down the road a little bit too. What? I never thought that, that I would feel year. that way, but I kind yeah, of agree I, as well. I, just do I can't not handle need it. it in the first half of this wow. year. Like, there's too much already. Maybe like you could put that game in like I don't know Thanksgiving October. Week? Know. Yeah, yeah, October and November. I'd be totally fine with that. Yeah, All we right. got time then. <laughs> Um, I'll end on this note. Uh, one of you wrote in the show notes uh, on our list this was of these topics, Kirk. You wrote, remember Ubisoft, LOL, which is a good place to end this conversation. Anyway, let's take a break. Um, we'll have a moment of silence for Ubisoft as we go to the break, and then we will be back to talk about one more thing. I hope they've got the bread bowl. Have you seen the bread bowl at this place? Mm-hmm. Good evening. Welcome to Maximum Fun. Have you been here before? It's her first time. Very good. Might I recommend our special? Oh, please. Can I interest you in the Max Fun Drive? I'm told they're cooking up something quite extraordinary this year. I've heard about this. With limited time thank you gifts for new and upgrading members? That's right. <laughs> we'll take it. How would you like your episodes? Uh, can I get them excellent with new Boko on the side? Mm-hmm. Oh, are there live stream events? Absolutely. You know, if you're interested in events, Meetup Day is returning. What? Oh, you're going to love Meetup Day. It's the best. Okay, let me make sure I have everything. Max Fun Drive 2023 with limited time thank you gifts, live stream events, Meetup Day, excellent episodes, and of course, new bonus content. Sounds perfect. Great. We'll get it started and it'll be ready in two weeks, March 20th. Oh, can we also get a couple of waters? Of course. Where am I? On Maximum Fun. What do you want? A podcast miniseries about The Prisoner. Whose side are you on? That would be telling, but okay, I'm on my own side. It's one of my favorite ever TV shows. We want a podcast on it. A Prisoner podcast. You won't get it. By hook or by crook, we will. Who are you? I'm Elliot Kalin. Who is number one? Jesse Thorne. But you are John Hodgman. I am not a Prisoner podcaster. I am a free man. <laughs> oh, are you okay? Elliot, are you all right? Okay, I'll watch it. All four episodes of V-Potting You are out now. 
All right, Kirk, Maddie, RIP Ubisoft. It's time for one more thing. Uh, Kirk, take us away. Sure, my one more thing is an Apple TV Plus show that I've been watching called Slow Horses that is a really enjoyable show. I like it a lot more than I than I thought I would. I kind of put it on kind of randomly. Emily's out of town this weekend, and I was like, here's some spy shit that she probably wouldn't like. I'm going to watch this show. <laughs> and it's really great. Um, it is a, a really enjoyable kind of British spy drama with some levity, some sort of comedic elements, though it's it's mostly hard-boiled spy stuff. So these are based on the Slough House series of books by an author named Mick Herron, and it stars Gary Oldman as the main nice. character, the head of this house. And, of course, Gary Oldman, well-known for uh, portraying, what was his name, Smiley? I forget his first name. But the famous John le Carre spy in uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I thought you were going to say Commissioner Gordon, but okay. Well, he's also <laughs> a very different kind of spy in this, this kind of just really sloppy, old, washed-up, burnt-out guy who's like always letting horrible farts rip and is super rude to everybody, but of course is also a brilliant a brilliant spy. And he's in charge of this, uh, what's called Slough House, is a sort of a place where people are posted as punishment. So it's kind of the doghouse of MI5, of uh, British intelligence. So if you screw up in some way or you're kind of useless or no one wants you around, they send you to Slough House and you work for Jackson Lamb, who is the name of Gary Oldman's character. So this begins with you kind of introducing Slough House and quickly you get to know the various characters. They're all kind of, you know, they've messed up in various ways. You learn their backstories. But of course... Um, there is a plot afoot, and it involves a lot of sort of double dealing and spying on other spies and mischief within MI5 and people trying to get Slough House to take the fall for things. And it's all a very twisted web and very complicated, but really well told. And in the end, I found it to be just a really enjoyable spy story. Plus, it's six episodes, which is great because it's that nice sort of British series length, just six episodes in the first season. There is a second season out that's also six episodes. I think maybe each one is probably based on a book, if I had to guess but anyways it's like it's just a fun show um i don't have a lot of deep thoughts on it or anything but if you dig that kind of you know uh spy story uh like the kind of things that gary oldman has been in or those like Carre books it's to- it'll totally be up your street and um i really enjoy it so yeah it's called slow horses it's on apple tv plus and there are two seasons of it that you can watch i just started season two cool cool sounds fun mm. uh maddie what's your one more thing so I watched Total Recall for the first time. Hell this yeah, week. you did. The first time. My... Oh my God. I love it. I know. This. It's crazy. I... I'm so happy. Uh, this is so funny. Every one more thing from you in 2023. It's just is a just Paul like Verhoeven movie that I watched for the first time. Yeah. I am going to run out of Paul Verhoeven movies, but we'll see how many more uh, 80s sci fi classics I can watch for the first time, especially Total Recall. Uh, technically not 80s, technically 1990. Although mm. Arnold Schwarzenegger looks so young in it. It's. It's wacky. He looks like such a little baby Ken doll. He looks perfect. Is this pre-Terminator? Is this before Terminator? I think it's right before when did Before Terminator, Terminator 2. Oh, it's boy. post-Terminator right, 1. Yeah, Terminator yeah, 1 yeah. is like 84 or something. Got mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who knows? It's all the same year to me. It's all 1989. <laughs> it's, it's right before Terminator 2. Anyway, Arnold, Arnold has a beautifully smooth face in this movie, and he is incredible. I recommended Robocop last week. I super triple recommend Total Recall. Loved it. Maybe my favorite Verhoeven movie. Same. Thought I knew what it was about. 
didn't know what it was about, <laughs> didn't know all the twists, which was great, and which is why I'm not going to spoil them, because if you're like me, you're like, oh, yeah, it's like a sci-fi movie. There's like a lady with three boobs in it. Like, there's a three-boob prosthetic. <laughs> Weirdly, yeah, I know a well lot about thing. that. Yeah, it kind of is the well-known thing, though. It kind it of is. is. Yeah. Well, I and remember South Park parodying it. That's, of course. That's I mean, yeah, yeah there are many parodies of it that I have yeah. seen. And, and also, I knew that it was kind of like, had a similar premise, well, conceit as Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, whereby there is a, a fictional sci-fi corporation in the in the slight future that can alter people's memories and they pay for it. So I kind of knew like the total recall, the recall in the title had to do with sci-fi memory alteration, but I really didn't know that much more than that, which nice. made it a wild experience to watch, really dug it, wasn't expecting it to be so political and so leftist and badass and also to have just great performances from everybody. Arnold really stretching his acting chops to the limit here. He's he's still Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he's really <laughs> doing his damnedest. Um, and Rachel Ticotin and Sharon Stone are freaking incredible. Sharon Stone as, like, rules in that the movie. Two... Yeah, I mean, this period of Sharon Stone, like Casino, and like she's just oh, incre- uh, amazing she's and everything. She's so, so good. But I really liked Rachel Ticotin as like the, the badass action chick who kind of comes out of nowhere in like the second half of the movie I mm-hmm. ended up really digging her performance so I super recommend it if you haven't seen it you have to watch it drop everything and watch Total Recall I I feel like it's it's influenced every other sci-fi thing in every video game ever and I can't believe I never saw it until now that's absurd and I'm glad I finally watched it and I've been thinking about it all week and I'll probably think about it forever now thanks Paul Verhoeven for making a great film also one of the great practical <laughs> effects films. So many oh. amazing prosthetics and costumes yeah. and like painted backdrops in some of the scenes. It's definitely right before CG took mm-hmm. over. Of course, in Terminator 2 a couple of years later when Schwarzenegger yeah. was in that, like that was like the rise of of CG. Which Terminator 2 looks great, but but Total Recall has so many unsettling weird effects yeah. that you can tell are props like real puppets props. and weird and things he, and, that scene yeah. where he takes his head off and he's yeah he's like, oh, there's so many that. cool scenes yeah. Uh, yeah it's great it's great stuff mm-hmm. cool um okay cool so my one more thing is a book that i have been reading that i am really really enjoying it's a book called the poppy war by rf kwan and it is a fantasy book that is kind of based on the Sino-Japanese, Second Sino-Japanese War, um, which uh, was like the 30s or 40s or a mix of the 30s and 40s, um, China and Japan fighting each other. Um, and it's really, really interesting. It's it's um, it's based on, it's it's got a lot of roots in China. And so like it's set in this kind of like fantasy version of China, which is this big country on a landmass with a lot of just kind of provinces that are uh, all squabbling, but ultimately ultimately unified under one emperor. And then there's this nation to the east, this island nation to the east that uh, there's a lot of tension and historical war or a history of war with. Um, And the book is, uh, it kind of reminds me of that book, Grace of Kings that I was talking about a little while ago um, in that it's like fantasy based on Chinese history. Um, Mm -hmm. And it stars this, uh, this girl named Rin who is, uh, who lives in this small little like hick village. um, And she, uh, is has this awful adopted family and um is like uh betrothed to be engaged to someone that she does not want to marry or betrothed to someone who she does not want to marry who is probably going to treat her like shit and she finds an escape route from this horrible life because that she has no way out of by uh 
testing into the military academy where she winds up going. And so the first half of the book is kind of like a a, a military academy Harry Potter where uh, this woman, <laughs> this girl Rin is taking classes and learning how to uh, be a soldier. And then things take a big twist in the middle of the book. And the second half of the book, from what I've gotten to so far, I haven't finished it yet, but appears to be about something else entirely. Um, and so it's really good because the writing is fantastic and it's really just kind of like fast paced and um, just really easy to read. Uh, I compared it to Grace of Kings, a, a book I talked about a couple of years ago. That was uh, much harder to read. It was much more like a big mm. kind of epic history book where like it told a lot of anecdotes in that were kind of some of them were just loosely connected. Some of them were a little bit uh, kind of tough to get into whereas this book it's it's probably the the most approachable fantasy book i've ever read because it doesn't like throw a bazillion proper nouns at you from the get-go it really just tells this grounded story about this girl who like within the first two pages you're already in love with her as a protagonist because she's fantastic um as this like spunky 16 year old um and it's really great uh, from what I've read so far. It's really fantastic. I mean, she gets to the school and there's a lot of just fascinating characters there. And she discovers these powers in herself that, uh, of course, every every fantasy book protagonist has to have some powers. <laughs> um, and it's just really just an easy, just uh, uh, really excellent read from what I've gotten to so far. Um, nice. I really enjoy cool. it. I, I don't want to talk about like more specifics of the story and the way it twists and turns. Mm-hmm. Is it a series or it's just one book? I believe it's a series um, okay. because, again, every fantasy book has to be part of a series <laughs> these days. Sure. Um, but uh, it's pretty, again, just very approachable. Like it doesn't feel a lot of fantasy books are you really need to like take the time to like know that you're going to spend the first 100 pages mm-hmm. not knowing what's going on. You'll probably mm-hmm, have to reread mm-hmm. the first few pages just to know <laughs> like it, it's they're a lot more dense. This is not mm-hmm. this is like really character driven in a way that is really appealing to me at least because you just you start reading and you're immediately hooked. You don't have to like let it. It's not like one of those JRPGs it takes 10 hours to get good it's like uh it really just sinks its teeth into you right away I, and i'm really enjoying it i mean nice. i reserve the right to come back and be like man this book sucked once i actually finish it um because again i'm i'm probably like i don't know uh two-thirds of the way through maybe so uh we'll see but i did just kind of like i was so hooked on it that i barreled through 200 pages the first night i opened it so yeah really impressive book again it's called the poppy war by rf kwan Cool. Nice. And that Check is it that for out. this week's episode. It sure Great. is. Maddie, uh, I, I know we're sad about Ubisoft departing this earth, but uh, <laughs> hopefully really we, can, we can make it to next week regardless. I think together we can all move Somehow. on. Somehow. Somehow. Yeah. Um, we'll be fine. Yeah, so uh, another reminder for everybody, we'll be playing Perfect Dark next week and spoiling it. Uh, and I'm looking forward to discussing that one. Uh, again, we're playing the 2010 version of the game that's on Xbox, uh, Xbox mm-hmm, 360. Mm-hmm. It was released for. We can get it on any Xbox now. And so, yeah, we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. 
Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.